Hey everyone, welcome to Poetry Says, I'm Alice. This week's poem is a really good one if you have ever said to yourself or to someone else, something's missing. You know, if you have ever felt like there's something you need or some kind of desire that you have that you just can't quite put words around, you can't express it satisfactorily, this poem I think will help you. It will help put some language around that hard to pin down sort of desire. It's my favorite poem of the last five years by a long shot. But to read it on here, I had to get up the guts to actually contact the poet herself and just check that it was okay to do this. And uh, it's always nerve wracking doing that kind of thing, but she was absolutely very, very nice about it. Her name's Hannah Gamble. She's Chicago-based, and her collection is called Your Invitation to a Modest Breakfast. And along with putting that collection together, she's done all kinds of amazing things. She's been poet-in-residence at the Children's Memorial Hospital in Chicago, and she's poetry editor at the moment for a website called Catch Up, and that's just scratching the surface. She's done all kinds of amazing stuff. And this particular poem that appeared on Poetry Magazine just a little while ago. As I say, it's got the ability to express something that is almost inexpressible. I guess dissatisfaction comes close to it, but that's that's not really the entirety of, of what it's doing. But before I go any further and speculate any more about what it does or doesn't do, I'll read the poem to you. And we'll go from there. Growing a Bear by Hannah Gamble Growing a Bear, a midnight occupation, the need for which you perhaps first realised when you saw the wrong kind of shadow under your chin, a convex when you expected concave, so now it's clear you're getting older. Your wife was in the shower and you wanted to step inside and soap her up like you did in college when she said, I'll shower with you, but I'm leaving my underwear on. And you enjoyed her in every way you could enjoy a person with soap. You didn't join your wife in the shower. She's gotten funny about letting you see her shave her legs or wash herself anywhere. You think she read it somewhere, that letting your husband see you pluck anything, trim anything, apply medicine to anything will make him feel like his furniture. It's exactly on cold nights like these that the basement is not as forbidding as it should be, despite the fact that you have to put gloves on in what is part of your own home. Downstairs, a large bathtub, kept for some reason after remodelling. It is there that your bear will be grown, by you, though you have no idea how. Probably wishing is most of it, Fertilizer, chunks of raw stew meat, handfuls of blackberries, two metal rakes and a thick rug make up the rest, then water. You get an email from a friend late at night saying he can't sleep. You write back, I hope you feel sleepy soon, and think of how childish the word sleepy is. And you're a man, older than most of the people you see on television. You haven't even considered how your wife will feel when you have finished growing your bear. You could write a letter to her tonight, explaining how your life was just so lacking in bear. 
Janet, it's nothing you've done. Clearly you have no possible way of supplying me with a bear or any of the activities I might be able to enjoy after acquiring the bear. It might just be best to keep the two worlds separate. Janet clearly prefers things to be comfortable and unchallenging. Janet soaps herself up. Janet puts herself to bed and you just happen to be next to her. You go on your weekly bike ride with Mark and tell him that you've been growing a bear. An 18-wheeler flies by and he doesn't seem to hear you. Plus, he's focused on the hill. You think about how not all friends know what each other sounds like when struggling and breathing heavy. Past the age of college athletics, most friends don't even know what each other's bodies look like. Flushed, tired, showering, cold. So having read that quite a few times now, I think one of the things I like about it most is the fact that it doesn't have any neat ending at all. It's just something that I try to do sometimes in my poems and, and I think basically it seems like I've cut it off midway, but this is done so well and it would be so wrong if a poem about this kind of feeling had a neat ending that kind of apprehended and, and, and put a bow around everything. That, that just wouldn't be right. So I love that last stanza. The poem just leaves you with this thought of the speaker thinking not everybody knows what each other sounds like when they're all flushed and breathing heavy. Just a minor thought, really, I suppose. So one of the things that comes out of this to me is distance, distance and proximity. So the speaker and his wife, Janet, have proximity of living in the same house. And they used to have this very close proximity of showering together, but now Janet is not very keen on on her husband really being around him in those more intimate moments. So there's this distance that's grown there. That's probably one of the first examples of that. But then also when this weekly bike ride with Mark happens, they must be close enough to at least yell at each other, you know, the way the middle-aged men in Lycra do, the mammals, just yelling at one another, this incredibly personal detail on the side of the road. So he's yelling at Mark and he's like, I've been growing a bear. And it either doesn't get heard or Mark ignores him. And I love that we, we don't necessarily know which one we get to choose I suppose and that's one of the other beautiful things about this is that in using a phrase like growing a bear which is so nonsensical in a way it's, it's such an impossibility Hannah Gamble leaves this open to us we can replace that phrase with anything we want any kind of secret desire thing that we want to make or do or or be can slot into that growing a bear place so there's an openness there despite the fact that that syntactically everything in this poem makes perfect sense the punctuation is quite traditional there there's no real playing around with missing commas or or crazy spacing or anything you could basically you could take out the line breaks and you'd almost have a prose poem there but the openness comes from that phrase, growing a bear. So it's not prescriptive in any way, even though it is syntactically very clear. 
So I think most people would probably read this and classify it as a midlife poem, but I don't know if it necessarily has to be just that. It's an incredibly good midlife poem from someone who I, I don't believe is in midlife yet, uh, but it isn't limited to that at all. This this desire, this dissatisfaction, this growing a bare sense is open to any of us, I think. And there are definitely details around the life of the speaker that are very midlife in terms of he has a marriage that has grown up through a relationship that started in college. He's got a big house that's been renovated. He's got the bike. He's got the friend that he goes riding with at the weekend. It's, uh, yeah, there's this sense of stability and, and kind of a a security there, but it's gone beyond security, I think. It's gone to, into the point of being stale and almost as if there's there's been a closing down of the things that this the speaker can do um, and he's just starting to see the first physical signs of aging as well so there's perhaps the idea that there's a rising kind of panic coming for him this traditional midlife crisis but again I think any of us can remember points in our lives when we've had too much responsibility when things are are ticking along too neatly and there's not much freedom and that's when you start to think about growing a bear <laughs> so there's another little story in here it's not mark and it's not janet there's another friend who contacts the speaker about halfway through the poem and this is the stanza absolutely just gets me every time you get an email from a friend late at night saying he can't sleep you write back I hope you feel sleepy soon and think how childish the word sleepy is I mean if you've ever had one of those exchanges with someone by text or email where they they tell you bad news or they tell you something and you just want to respond in a way that comes close to responding adequately to the hugest of what they've told you. I had a, a friend this week tell me some terrible news and I spent a good 20 minutes writing and deleting and writing and deleting a text message back to her and what I ended up sending was so weak. It was totally not commensurate with what she was telling me but um yeah it's just one of these moments when language just fails and in this case I hope you feel sleepy soon I mean there's not much there's not much to work with the friend can't sleep and what do you say I also love that because there's a sense that there's this other man out there who also might be growing a bear secretly or thinking about growing a bear and I hope that I hope that you're starting to feel through the repetition of this phrase how it becomes blank in the repetition and I think that's really important I think that's very intentional so in a lot of ways it's a poem about a very particular kind of pain that only arises when you have the majority of your needs met 
you have the big house, you have the wife, you have the job, but there's something else that you, you do need and there are very few outlets left to you to find that thing. Yeah, kind of that, the end of the fairy tale or what happens after the the prince and the princess get together kind of thing. You know, they they move into a house and they live happily ever after. Well, this is the happily ever after and isn't it scary? <laughs> So in thinking about this, I was reminded of an advice column I used to read on Salon before it got completely overtaken with banner ads. There was a writer on there called Carrie Tennis, and he used to write these fantastic responses that were often incredibly unhelpful to the people who were writing to him for advice. And he used to hide poems in them. And one day he he came out with this. He because that's the kind of thing he would address in his advice was his own writing and what he was doing. And he said, yeah, there are poems in here. Um, I'm getting paid to write poems, so I'm just doing it in secret. And uh, this particular column, I felt like maybe the guy who wrote into Carrie in this particular instance maybe was on the verge, on on the cusp of that growing a bear space. So I'll read you a little bit from his letter to Carrie. This is just called, I'm going crazy in my job. He says, I feel guilty and inadequate all the time, even when I'm doing my best. In my last job, it lasted the entire time I was there, so I know it's not a new job thing. Now, if I may, I'd like to cast free from the idea that I seek other work or make do with a more nomadic freelance lifestyle. I've tried these, they don't work. I'm in my 30s. And the idea that a perfect career will happen upon me has been shelved for reality. I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and work. I just need to figure out how. My current job is good. I was lucky to get it. It's in a field I like. It has a good coffee machine. I like having a paycheck every month. People ooh when I tell them who I work for. If I quit this one, I can promise you I'll just quit the next one and the one after. I know, Carrie, that you worked office jobs in the past and found them less than fitting in all ways. What I'm asking then is this. How do I reframe my thinking to A, be okay with routine, B, be okay with corporate ideologies, and C, how do I get over the constant nauseating feeling that I'm not doing well, that I'm screwing up, that everyone secretly wishes I wasn't there? And does anyone else ever feel this way? So... Carrie does give him some advice, but then he kind of goes off the rails as he is wont to do. So about halfway through his response, he says, Welcome to the reason people start revolutions. Welcome to the reason people used to grow their hair long and get in vans and drive to California, not having a job or a religion or even any relatives to stay with. Welcome to the reason that every day in America, Someone somewhere gets up from his desk and walks out and gets drunk and calls in and says he's had an emergency and can't come back to work that day. Welcome to the reason that every day someone looks for a job in the arts or becomes a police sergeant or a lifeguard or a taxi driver because our technology has allowed us to create these penal colonies of cubicles where spirits rot and emotions die and penises sit limp in the pants of avid young men and women's breasts fall and their tight asses go saggy and their makeup runs and their bodies grow encased in useless fat from sedentary disuse and anxious eating and blood sugar highs 
Welcome to the reason that Prozac has become the new sacramental wafer. Welcome to the reason that so many of us are wandering around looking for a new car. You know this. I know. You have wandered. You want to settle down. But I don't think you're truly ready to settle down yet. If you were, you'd know it. So your discomfort speaks to me. He's a little harsh there in parts, but um, yeah, I think that's a classic Carrie hides a poem in an advice column example. So yeah, it's the it's the honesty and it's the fact that this poem is expressing something that's very difficult to express that really got me in the first place and that keeps me coming back to read it time and time again. It's kind of like a talisman to me in some ways. So I was almost a little bit hesitant to listen to an interview that Hannah did on another poetry podcast, a really, really great podcast called Make No Bones, um, coming out of Brooklyn at the moment, I think. And yeah, these guys do a fantastic job. So they interviewed Hannah and I thought, oh God, do I want to listen? But she was just so fantastic. She is so wise and so funny and incredibly honest. She said in tweeting about this that her mum was sitting with her in the room when she did this interview and I'm, I'm just not sure how she managed that. Um, but yeah, full credit to her for the honesty that she that she showed in that interview. She reads a really great poem that was inspired by seeing the film Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And if you saw that film and felt a little bit sick, you'll love this poem. It's so funny. I laughed out loud and, yeah, at the same time felt truly horrified <laughs> just at, at what Hannah was making me remember about that film. I don't even know why I've seen it. It's, yeah, it's got some problems. Oh, and, and one last thing just about just about the poem Growing a Bear. You might think when you read this that Janet, the wife, is somehow a villain like she's refusing to have her husband in the shower now and she's just putting herself to bed and kind of like she's ignoring him but I don't I don't think it's that simple at all I think Jana is probably growing a bear somewhere else in the house um, I think she's got all her own stuff going on and I think the fact that this is told from a male perspective but Janet still has a voice and a story kind of coming through there is yet another achievement of this great poem. So thank you, Hannah, for letting me read that. And thanks for listening, everyone. If you've got poems you want me to check out and chat about, let me know on Twitter at Poetry Says. Find more episodes at PoetrySays.com. And please hop onto iTunes if you have a few minutes to spare and give me a little review on there give me some uh throw a few stars my way and more people will find the podcast thanks everyone